Divine encouragement to run the race. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Running the race without growing weary. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us, won't you? We're in Hebrews chapter 12, looking at verse 12, divine encouragement to run the race. You ever find yourself flagging in a race? Well, spiritually speaking, we hit that point a lot. Some encouragement is straight ahead. Please join us. Here now with today's edition of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules once again, our teacher and pastor now. With today's broadcast, Pastor Phil Howard. You think Christ could take your life? Ask Ananias and Sapphira. You, you, we don't fear God. We think this is my church. No, no, it's his church. He just let you in, honey. He just let you in the door. But you, none of us are running the church. There's one head, and it's not the Pope. You've got to go higher than Rome. You got to get way up there. And he is the head and all things will be subject to him. And he has ways of dealing with hard heads. He's got softening processes to get you to hear his voice. Hear my voice. If you don't do the church the way I want, I'll blow out the lampstand and we'll wonder what, what ever happened to that church. It's no longer around. I've had people come to me and prophesy, valley's over. I had a guy just told me, said, Ichabod's on the door. I said, well, I'm sure glad you're not a prophet. You're just a zealous young man. And we've been going 27 years since the prophecy. It's Christ I listen to. I fear Christ. I fear him to my good. He goes on to say, thirdly, you ought to be pursuing the holiness without which no one will see God. That's a tricky verse. I've had difficult with that verse for years. What does that mean? Without holiness, no one will see God. But what do you mean? What do you mean without holiness? Let me give you an example. Holiness is used, it's the word this word holy is translated saint, translates sanctification. So he, he could say without the sanctification, no one will see God. Without the holiness, what is holiness? Set apart from sin, primarily. Set apart from evil. And then the positive side is uh, pursuing righteous, what is right. So they, you're abstaining from the evil. You're pursuing the good, okay? you like God. God hates evil. He's set apart. He's a God that's good, a God that's righteous. Now, there's three ways this word's used of God's people. One we call positional sanctification. If you belong to Christ, you're in Christ, and God says you're already sanctified. He calls us saints. Uh, see, we don't have to perform a miracle to get sainted in this, the miracle we've undergone is we've been born again. That makes you a saint. I don't wait for the Pope to declare me a saint. Christ declared me a saint. 
I'm a saint in Christ's eyes. Okay, set apart. But some days, do I act like a saint? What about you, honey? Let's leave the preacher alone. You. No, some days you don't look like a saint. You look more like an ain't at times. And you know it, and the Spirit of God grieves in you. You confess it. You've got to get it right. But I'm a saint on my worst day because I'm in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is your sanctification. Christ. So that's settled. So it can't be this kind of righteousness. That's not what he's saying. He said, this is something you pursue. You don't pursue this. This happened to you the moment you were saved. Pursue holiness. Without it, you won't see God. Well, what is it? Then there's practical holiness. We call it progressive uh, conformity to Christ, becoming more and more. You're in process of becoming like Christ, in process of breaking from sin, old habits, old attitudes, all of that, and you're in process of becoming more and more like Christ. I believe that's what he's saying. Now, there's ultimate sanctification that when you see Christ, you will be like him. That's completed. That's done. So we're in the in-between. I've been sanctified. I will be. But in the meantime, if I'm not pursuing holiness, I won't see God. You say, well, that sounds legalistic. Figure it out. You see, the born-again people, they begin to practice righteousness. 1 John 2, 29, we know him who has been born again because he practices righteousness. 1 John 229. 1 John 3, 6 through 9. He that is born of God does not continue to practice sin, for he cannot, for God's seed remains in him. Are you still sleeping with your girlfriend? You don't know God. You're lost. Well, I received Christ when I was 10. It didn't take. It didn't take. You know, you can be exposed and not get pregnant. Didn't take. I went to the altar four to five times before I was ever saved. My first time at the altar, I must have been seven years old. Uh, the next time, maybe eight. Man, we were in emotional, evangelistic kind of meetings as I grew up. I went to the altar a lot of times. I wept. I prayed, but I wasn't born again. I can't explain it. But I, I was sincere. The altar call was made. The songs were sung. I went forward to get saved. It did not take. I was back to sin within a week. Within a week. I hear these people say, well, I, I, I accepted Jesus when I was 10. And they've lived like hell ever since. You, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're deceived. Raising your hand in junior church doesn't save you. Coming to an altar doesn't save you. Saying you're saved doesn't save you. When has a new nature kicked in and you got new appetites, a new appreciation of the adoration found in Jesus? Uh, no longer can be fulfilled by the old cisterns you drank from that were poisoned by this world. When has sin, you had enough of sin? You see, a starving man, anything looks good. But Jesus said, I'm the manna from heaven, and if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. 
I'm the water from heaven. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. How can I keep thirsting for the sewer of this world and be saying, I'm feeding on the manna from a bountiful supply? Who are you feeding on? I like my sin more than Jesus. You're going where sinners go. You do not know God. You do not know God. I don't care how many times you've come forward until a new nature kicks in. And you say, that's what we ask people around here. Not just when you say you got saved. We ask the second question. When did God start changing your life? And, you, and you'll get two dates with a lot of people. Well, I took him as my Savior at nine. I lived like the devil for 10 years. And then I really got saved. No, you were touched, but you weren't changed. I've been touched many times. You can be touched, touched, but not changed. And he says, unless you have this holiness, love of God, you will not see God. He didn't say you had to be perfect. You got to be pursuing it. This is practical holiness. I, I want to do the right. You know, it's the illustration of the hog and the sheep. They both can fall in the hog pen, but guess what? The hog said, yippee, I found home. The sheep can say, I'm in the wrong place. I may not even know how to get out of it because I need a shepherd to get me out, but I'm not at home in this mud. And you could spray perfume on a hog all day. He's still going to wallow. Spray all the religion you want. Oh, I'm a Presbyterian brand of cologne. Well, I'm Baptist. You're still lost. You're still a hog. Because wearing all your religious perfume won't make you different. You've got to be born again. Born again. That's what made the Wesleys and the Whitfields turn England upside down. That's why the Church of England hated them. Because while they were at Oxford, they were in the Oxford movement. They prayed every morning at five. They slept on plywood. They fasted twice a week. They kept trying to do enough good works to make it to heaven. And they finally saw all of them, George Whitfield, both the Wesleys, they all found out we're unsaved. John Wesley came to Georgia came to the United States to be a missionary, and all the time he was a missionary, he was unsaved, going to hell, missionary. He didn't know God. Do you know God? I mean, do you? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. And there's another question I'll ask. Does God, does God know you? Because he tells a bunch of people, I never knew you. You did all kinds of religious activity. You cast out demons. You called on my name. You went through all the religious rigmarole. And there's one crowd that say, you must be saved. You must be saved. And they say, Lord, you've got to let us in. We've been operating in your name. He said, I know, but I don't know you. He said, when the Antichrist comes, the world will wonder after him because he can perform more miracles and more great things that will make your head spin. And the world wonders after the beast. Have you met Jesus? Has holiness become a way of your life? I had a man tell me a few weeks back, 
when he first got saved, he said a man came to, up to him in church, and while he stood next to him, he said, you know what, I have the roughest time going to church. And he said, how's that? He said, well, I'm always undressing the women in my mind when I'm trying to worship. My friend turned to him, he said, you know what your problem is? You have been saved. You don't know Christ. You got a dirty, perverted mind. You need to go to the altar tonight and get saved. You just can't get away from porno? You can if you know him. I said you can if you know him. You can if you know him. I just can't quit this cussing. Oh, you can't? I guess God didn't give you the Holy Spirit. See, God's giving you his word. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. And he's giving you a new nature. Now, without those, you couldn't be holy. But you got the Holy Spirit living in you. He's our power, is he not? Our dad used to say, I cuss all I want. I drink all I want. Not cheat all I want, but God took care of the want to. He took care of the want to. I don't want to cuss. I don't want to drink. I want to please God. I want to. I may fail, but I want to do the right. I'm on my way. I'm in process. Are you? If you're not, you won't see God. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. In make-believe phony Christianity in America, we're no, we can't tell who's saved and who's not. Because everybody's got it. No, they don't. It's like this. Let us track you for a week. And will we see any Jesus in you? I remember being at a restaurant and being irritable with the waitress and and doing this and kind of demanding. And by the time I cooled down, Carolyn said, it would sure be nice if they could see Jesus in you. She said, I didn't see any of the fruit of the Spirit in that display. It wasn't. It was all flesh. I sinned. I was wrong. Then he said, help those people that are failing to find the grace of God. He said, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And what he's talking about, people in the assembly that have not come to Christ yet. They've not yet entered the grace of God. And he said, be on the lookout for them. They're in your midst. They've never really accepted Christ yet. They're wanting to go back to Judaism. They're wanting to go back. They're going to bail out of the race. They're going to go back. And he said, watch out. Be on the lookout. Evangelize them. Help them. They they want to go back. And then he starts illustrating what these people are like. Let there be no root of bitterness spring up among you and come and trouble many, and by it many become defiled. He's quoting Deuteronomy 29, 18, when Israel turned to other idols, he used this phrase, they become like a bitter, poisonous plant among the nation of Israel. They become ungodly, they become idolaters, and he said, I'm warning you, don't let these people who've not been saved, who are thinking about going back, Don't let them poison the assembly. Don't let them poison others to go back. No, no, Jesus isn't the best. He's not the one. They want to go back. He said, don't, don't, don't let them poison you. He keeps on going. He said, uh, and watch out for those who are being sexually immoral among you. Be careful of those who are unholy like Esau. And here's the emphasis. Get this. Here's the emphasis. 
who showed his birthright. Okay. What was the bargaining price? For one meal. One single meal. You get it? He would have been in the messianic line. It would have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but he sold the privilege for one 15-minute bowl of soup. He sold the privilege of being a firstborn son, and the word there, don't be profane, it means no regard for God. It meant nothing to him. I've been out hunting. I come home hungry. Jacob is fixing a pot of stew, most likely lentil soup. And he said, right now, I need an immediate fix. I need a 15-minute relief of something temporal, and I will trade off something that makes me a part of an eternal plan. I will give up the right of the firstborn son for a bowl of soup. And he's telling these runners, he's telling these children that are fatigued, wore out, being tempted to go back, do not sell the privilege of being a follower of Christ for one temporal pleasure and sell your birthright. All of life is a series of trades. Just think of it. Adam, for the bite of one forbidden piece of fruit, traded paradise and was exiled from the garden, and man has been exiled ever since. That's why the New Jerusalem looks good. It's the first time we get paradise back since Adam took the fruit. Judas, you got your silver, but you gave up your Savior. You saw the dead raised. You saw the multitudes fed. You saw the lepers healed. And you, in one night, could sell out the Son of God. And as my black preacher friend Smith says, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. You got your bowl of soup, Esau, but you lost your inheritance. And he's saying, I'm warning you. Some, and the word for falling short of the grace of God, it's a Greek word. I looked it up. I, I was curious, why did they miss the grace of God? And here is what Arndt and Gingrich in their lexicon said. The word husteron means to miss out on something as one's own fault. Come too late through one's own fault. It's like you missed the train ride because you didn't show up one time. It's your fault. And they're missing on the grace of God because it's their fault. It's being presented. It's being preached. When will you enter the grace of God? What will it take? I had someone recently tell me, Pastor, if you just knew how to close the, the sermon, your sermons are so wonderful, but you just don't know how to close them. They meant well. They did. And I said, you just don't know how to do that clincher. And I said, you're right. I never have. But is preaching Christ enough for the clincher? Or is there a little secret I got to learn? A little, the Billy Graham twist maybe. 
Really? Because I evangelized seven years, and I got tired of getting my wife saved every night. I couldn't get anyone to come forward. So she had to come every night, you know. Make me look good. I don't know how to close. I only know how to preach Christ. And I'm waiting. Why will you miss the grace of God and go to hell? Why will you trade your soul for a pot of soup? I never forget a man that I admired, a man with great influence, large church. I went to some of his seminars and uh, just had, had great respect. An outstanding man in so many ways, so many ways. And uh, he lost the church through immorality and being unfaithful to his wife. And I, I was so shocked and scared. Uh, I met him for lunch. I said, I, I, I'm brokenhearted about your situation. I'm broken. You're a man of a great reputation. You're a man of a large church. You're a man of, uh, I've gone to your seminars. Uh, man, you're a leader of leaders. We don't need to lose another preacher. Why did you do it? I was watching you. I was admiring you. I was attending your seminars. He just bowed his head at lunch and he said, Son, I made a trade of a 21-year ministry in a large church for a bowl of soup. I did in 20 minutes what I never dreamed I could do. I just traded my ministry, my influence. Thank God my dear wife has stayed with me. I don't know why, but I made a terrible trade. And he's saying to these believers, don't be like Esau. Don't fling away this privilege of knowing Christ. Don't throw away this privilege of entering into the grace of God and saying, uh, I want a little bit of sex, a little bit of drugs, a little bit of porno, a little bit of lying, cheating, whatever your sin is, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of going back and being accepted in my name. It's costing me too much to know Christ. I can't take it. I'm wore out. I want to go back. And he said, don't sell out for a bowl of soup. To have Jesus would be worth any price you ever are called to pay. Don't trade him away. Don't miss, don't miss the grace of God. One of the stupid things I did as a boy, we used to play with those little plastic soldier men in the projects. World War II, you know, Richmond's a World War II town. I lived in World War II housing and always played with these little plastic soldiers. And one day we wanted to trade some soldier men. I don't know what came over me, how I did it. I went home and found a knife that one of my uncles had used when he fought in World War II in the Pacific Theater, brought it home as a keepsake. I used that knife to trade for some plastic soldiers a family heirloom from an uncle that survived the Pacific Theater. A stupid little kid got 10 more toy soldiers made of plastic. And that's what I see our young people and many in church doing. They're selling out holiness, selling out peace, selling out helping, and they're failing to enter the grace of God. And a bowl of soup is all they've got. And they've already eaten it 
and now they're hungry again. For none of the soup kitchens of this world can quench your eternal hunger. Only Christ. Only Christ. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864, or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship, and you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music>